Welcome to The Wildlife, a program that probes the mysteries of the animal world through interviews with scientists and other wildlife investigators. I'm Laurel Nini, your host for The Wildlife, and author of Animal Investigators, How the World's First Wildlife Forensic Lab is Solving Crimes and Saving Endangered Species, and also author of Orangutan Houdini, a children's picture book that tells the true story of one very special ape. Today on The Wildlife, you'll hear my conversation with teen activist Madison Borba. In 2007, she and her friend, Rhiannon Tomtishan, were just 11 years old when they learned that one of the best ways they could help orangutans was by stopping the destruction of orangutan habitat from clearing to make way for palm oil plantations. Palm oil is in a lot of products, from shampoos to detergents to processed foods. The girls even discovered that the Girl Scout cookies that they'd helped sell for years contained palm oil. They then embarked on a years-long campaign that is still ongoing to get companies that make these cookies, as well as other products, to use deforestation-free palm oil, meaning that it would come from sources that do not hurt the orangutan's forest habitat. Both girls have been featured on major media outlets and have won numerous awards for their activism, including the United Nations Forest Heroes Award. When I spoke with Maddie, I was inspired by her ability to show how simple actions from a single person can have a big impact. Now, here is my conversation with Madison Borba. I'm curious how you first got interested in orangutans. Well, so I first became interested in orangutans before I remember I was interested in them. Like I was going when I was in first grade, I went to see an IMAX movie about Jane Goodall, and that was my first introduction to great apes. And a family friend came up to me at my high school graduation and told me the story of how I was enthralled and that and all the other little kids were squirming in their seats, but I was just really taken aback and really interested at a young age and then I found this picture I was packing my room up and I found this picture of me at the Fort Wayne Children's Zoo in front of the orangutan exhibit when I was tiny. So (laughs) yeah, and I'm pressed up against the glass and it was just, it's kind of cool because I think I've always been interested in great apes. I just didn't really like realize it, but yeah, since I was very small, I've always been drawn to them. And when I was In, like, fourth grade, I started a club with my friends called the Endangered Species Club. And we were going to help save endangered species (laughs) by raising money. And we sold, like, crocheted scarves and things. Just small little project. And then in sixth grade, I met Rhiannon. And we wanted to earn our Girl Scout Bronze Award together. And I wanted to continue my passion for endangered species and I picked the orangutan because I saw people I I mean I saw Diane Fossey doing her her legacy with their gorillas and of course Jane's work with the chimpanzee she's always been my hero and I didn't see anyone doing that for orangutans and so I was drawn I was drawn to them since for as long as I can remember and sixth grade was when I first kind of made a, a commitment I suppose and how did you meet Rhiannon? Well, we were in the same sixth grade class, but we didn't, we weren't in the same homeroom, so we didn't have any classes together, but we met met on our sixth grade basketball team, and 
we were a little <laughs> we were a little cynical and we bonded over that cynicism and <laughs> uh, that's where our friendship began. <laughs> what did you first do when you were, you know, in sixth grade for that uh, bronze award? Yeah, I was at, I was just going through the emails to remind myself. Um, and I found this email chain where I said, hey, do you want to do you want to do a Girl Scout bronze award together to help save orangutans? And Jane Goodall is really cool. And so there's this email chain of us Googling orangutans and googling Jane Goodall and learning about her organization Roots and Shoots and the only requirement for the Girl Scout Bronze Award was to just uh, do do a service hour requirement and so we created a a you know a science fair poster board type display about the orangutan and why they were endangered and I had just done a huge report on Indonesia for my sixth grade social studies project, so I'd written this long paper, I thought it was long, it was probably only five pages, but it's the longest paper I had ever written about orangutans, and that's kind of where it began. We had a presentation where we made a model of a rainforest, and went through all the layers and of the rainforest, and talked about the biodiversity that can be found there, and talked about the three main reasons orangutans are endangered, which is the illegal pet deforestation, illegal deforestation, and then deforestation for oil palm plantations. And we took this presentation to our sixth grade classroom and the rest of our middle school, as well as some other schools within our Ann Arbor community. Was it received well? <laughs> I, I don't know what, if you, you're going you're gonna to be hearing these stories twice, because I don't know what Rhiannon has shared with you, but no, it wasn't received well. <laughs> <laughs> We were we were made fun of constantly in middle school for being the orangutan girls. Uh, we had a rank, national orangutan week in our middle school every November, and we had saved the orangutan wristbands that we sold, and we had palm oil free bank sales, and we had rainforest themed dances. And the first time Rihanna and I went in front of our sixth through twelfth grade school at an assembly and said we're gonna be celebrating National Orangutan Week, we were literally laughed off stage. Really? And then, yeah, yeah, I'm not kidding. And I was a very shy person. I still consider myself an introvert, but this project has kind of forced me to learn how to communicate myself and for me I wasn't talking about myself, I was talking about an issue that I really cared about. And so that justified me getting on stage every single time or making a presentation until it just became easier. But, uh, yeah, we were left off stage and there was, like, a joking piece in our school's newspaper that was supposed to be a joke about our projects. But, you know, my seventh grade feelings were hurt. And, yeah, no, we were made fun of until we were on the news for the first time. And then we got dropped off at school in a limo and then suddenly we were sort of cool for a day. But... Yeah, middle school was a hard time to start. I mean, middle school is hard anyway. So. Yeah, middle school is rough. What were some of the yeah. worst things that people said? Well, kids like swore at me. Actually, it was it was pretty stupid, but they just said names. One one of my classmates put pictures of dead orangutans in my locker and left some Twizzlers in my locker because they had palm oil in them. <laughs> And, yeah, that was pretty dramatic. And 
it was just, you know, kids would rip off the, we had facts about palm oil on the lunch tables and people would rip off the little tags we'd put on there. Um, but we kind of just persisted and why did it was, you, it was did rough. You, why did you persist with all that against well, you? For me, there was simply no other option but to keep persisting because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't making a dent. Rihanna and I had learned about the massiveness of palm oil. It's in 50% of the products in our grocery stores. And I remember going to the grocery store with my mom and I have this notebook and I was writing down everything that had palm oil in it and I just couldn't believe it. And so every time she brought something home with palm oil, I would get really upset and I would, like, cry sometimes because I, I had seen these pictures of orangutans who had been beaten and burned to death and just killed in these really grotesque ways for entering palm oil plantations in search of food. And I couldn't believe that a creature that is so intelligent and so, like, worthy of existing in our world <laughs> was being killed because of an ingredient that was in the products that I had eaten every single day, and especially in the Girl Scout cookies I had sold since first grade, and for the organiza the Girl Scout organization, its mission statement is to make the world a better place and use resources wisely, and I really grew up believing in that mission and believing in girls' leadership, and so I felt that there was a very serious injustice that, that there was palm oil in these cookies, and I have this copy of an email I sent to the to a certain individual at the Girl Scout organization writing, it was a very passionate plea to the Girl Scouts saying, take palm oil out of your cookies. And this individual responded saying, the issue is much more complex than you make it out to seem. There's actually forest fires that are causing deforestation to happen. Palm oil is not that big of a deal. I challenge you to consider this issue from multiple perspectives. And I responded with, I take on your challenge and I'm not going to give up. And if you don't, you know, listen, then you may see this issue someday in the news. Did you <laughs> and really? that, oh. I, I have a copy of this letter. It's hilarious. I was just reading it like a month ago. And this, this individual I ended up meeting like four and a half years later after we were on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. And it was just, <laughs> It was hilarious because it took it took all of that national press to finally get a meeting. But at 11, when I sent that email, I was extremely serious about what I was writing. And I meant what I said. And it was, just, it was funny that I would be meeting with that same person I had warned. And yeah. did she remember that exchange? I don't, I don't think, he, I'm not sure if he did or not. He never mentioned it. It was interesting, the dynamic between the regional Girl Scouts, which is our local council's Girl Scout Hearts of Michigan, and the national council, because we did originally, we were invited by our regional council to meet with our high school principal and our service learning director, and just to talk about palm oil, because there was a an article in the Ann Arbor News that talked about us visiting Jane Goodall for the first time, and she had signed our petition in support of our campaign to get the Girl Scouts to either take the palm oil or use a sustainable source. And after the end of that meeting, our regional council director sent a letter to the national organization saying, you know, these girls are serious and you should at least listen to them because it took, you know, 
unfortunately, they didn't listen to that second warning. It took a lot of national press. Like, you know, this was 2007, and we didn't even get a real conversation happening until 2011. But it's been interesting, you know, where support has been and hasn't been. <laughs> and and how, um, yeah, how did you go from there, uh, you know, from 2007 to 2011? How did you first get that press? Were you going outside of school? Because initially you were doing a lot within the school and within Girl Scouts. Yeah, I mean, it, it started in our middle school. And we, in seventh grade, after we earned our Girl Scout Bronze Award, and it had then been Girl Scout cookie season, and I flipped over this box of cookies, and there was the palm oil, and I had emailed with the Girl Scout organization, and then we went and saw Jane at a Roots and Shoots conference in Chicago, and Roots and Shoots is her organization for young people, and we had urged our school to become members. So we showed her our presentation, and she signed a petition. And then there was just a little article within the Ann Arbor News saying, you know, two Ann Arbor middle schoolers went and met their hero, and then our then Fox News picked up the story, actually. I, they, they found it through the Associated Press, and so that was our first national interview was you know, Girl Scouts won't sell Girl Scout cookies because they have palm oil. And that's kind of how the press first heard about our story. And then there was this op-ed piece in the Seattle Times by this writer who said something along the lines of, you know, these kids should leave these decisions up to adults and they're just little do-gooders. And I remember that was the first time, like besides the bullying in school, that was the first time I like Googled my own project, and I scrolled down comments, and there were so many nasty things that were said about it, and I just remember being really upset, because I so earnestly cared about this issue, and felt like something had to be done about it, and I I didn't know how to really educate people and say, this is a serious problem, and we need we need to be on the same team here, but I think it was an important decision never to call for a boycott of the cookies. Like, Rihanna and I didn't personally sell the cookies, but in all the troops that had reached out to us through the press, we never we never called for a nationwide boycott because the organization does a lot of important work, and I wasn't trying to destroy their cookie business. I was trying to change an organization from within because I've been a part, I've grown up through this organization, and I learned about Palmwell for my Girl Scout Bronze Award, and it's unfortunate that it became, like, a national conversation, but they wouldn't really take us seriously in, until we partnered with other nonprofit organizations. That's really how we were able to take our campaign forward. We partnered with the Rainforest Action Network, the Union of Concerned Scientists, and an organization called Climate Advisors. And I had, this happened our sophomore year of high school. Freshman year, Rianin was in China, living... Um, her mom taught at a university there, so I continued the efforts freshman year and did a lot of, of work still within our school. And then sophomore year, you know, after the groundwork had been laid to partner with these organizations, we we started talking with people and we were connected to their audiences who were passionate about rainforest conservation. And we started filming videos with them and having social media days of action where um, hundreds of people would write on the Girl Scouts Facebook page saying you should adopt a deforestation-free palm oil policy. And 
Then the Girl Scouts deleted all of the posts, and then there was this issue about, you know, are they... It was just dramatic that the organization was deleting these posts and not taking their comments, and they were blocking people, and so the, the media had a heyday with that story, I suppose. And then, yeah, by the, by the spring of 2011, we had managed... We, our first huge piece was a front page piece in the Wall Street Journal, and then from there, it just took off. We were on CBS's early morning show and ABC World News and NPR, and it was a very crazy time because we went from, I mean, I went, I can only speak for myself, but I had went to working on a school project for years and years, and then suddenly, within a matter of weeks, flying to New York back and forth, back and forth, and having news crews come to camp to Michigan and filming things, and just really being forced to, you know, now talk about this on a national platform, and thankfully I was prepared for it, I had years of practicing how to tell the story, because I lived it, like I was just sharing my story with others, and that's how other Girl Scouts learned about this, other people learned about it, and they connected, I think, just just with our passion. That's interesting. You said you never called for a nationwide boycott. Were others calling for that once they learned about the issue? Yeah. So the Girl Scout organization is attacked for many reasons on a very routine basis, whether it's their linkage to Planned Parenthood or where their coca is sourced from or where their uniforms are sourced from. After our campaign was launched, there were petitions being launched constantly about something, some ingredient in the cookies and whether it was GMOs. So I really, I wasn't trying to create this war. I was real, I was trying to create a dialogue and say, you need to do something about this. Um, other Girl Scouts, who were just as passionate and just as interested joined us. And instead of asking them to not sell cookies, we had designed a Rainforest Hero Badge with the Rainforest Action Network that modeled the similar requirements to actually earn a Girl Scout badge. And so scouts could download this packet, earn the badge, and then wear the badge on the back of their vests in support of our campaign. And then we then took that campaign, that badge program and remodeled it and it's a program that runs at the Philadelphia Zoo right now. Oh really? And yeah, what they actually they had a Lorax exhibit in 2012, which was a really awesome interactive exhibit where youth were challenged to think of themselves as the Lorax and as their daily actions, thinking about how important their daily actions were to protect wildlife and orangutans and palm oil were very heavily highlighted. And it was cool to go see. There was there was all these orangutan awareness competitions that Rihanna and I got to judge with local school children. So we were flown down there and we got to meet all the kids. And it was awesome. Yeah, it was cool to see. Because we were, you know, in high school by that time. So it was great to see elementary school students and middle school students learning about the palm oil issue, learning about orangutans. Did you uh, help develop that Philadelphia Zoo exhibit or were you involved the way it was we set up with the Lorax? involved with the Lorax exhibit. There were additional, like, palm oil education, um, education interactive projects that mm -hmm. they did. They, but right by the orangutan enclosure, there was a table where kids could 
write on this leaf that says leaves of gratitude and the whole point was to thank companies for adopting responsible palm oil policies. Um, so can, so really thinking about, oh, look, palm oil is in this project product that I eat and this company has a responsible policy and this company doesn't. So we were involved in the planning of that. Um, but since it's been really awesome, we've been featured in two other uh, not not zoos, but in two museums, a children's museum called the Peggy Notabart Nature Museum in Chicago. We were a part of their nature struggle and survival exhibit that I just visited in June. And then, oh, actually, we are in another zoo. We're in the Indianapolis Zoo. They just launched their International Orangutan Center, which is state-of-the-art. It is incredible. I just visited it in May, and we're... Yeah, we're featured in that exhibit. So try and, try and find other ways, whether that's, you know, museums or zoos or classrooms to, to raise awareness about orangutans and palm oil. So the Leaves of Gratitude, thanking companies. I, I don't know how much you know about the Roundtable on Sustainable Palm Oil and what deforestation-free palm oil is and the complexities of the sourcing. It's really important to distinguish well, because there are a lot of policies that look great on paper, like the Girl Scouts policy, but they're actually not really doing a whole lot. It is so confusing. I mean, not only is it confusing for uh, a consumer, because there's so many different names of palm oil derivatives, but it's confusing in terms of what is really sustainable and what all the different labels mean. So I would love to um, to have you give as quick, and it, I know it can't be quick, and that's fine, because we've got time. Uh, but I think it is so confusing. So I think there's a lot of value to to saying it. Okay. Like I was saying earlier, the original goal was to get palm oil out of Girl Scout cookies and then every single product that I found with palm oil. And then after learning a little bit more about this issue, I discovered that palm oil is actually the highest yielding, yielding vegetable oil that we have. And so if my ultimate goal was to reduce deforestation – then the problem wasn't with palm oil, it was with how palm oil is being grown and if it's being grown sustainably or not. And so there's an organization called the Roundtable on Sustainable Palm Oil that was originally created by the World Wildlife Fund and it's a group of shareholders of palm oil traders and suppliers and NGOs and consumer companies, and they have this criteria for what they define as sustainable palm oil. And when Rihanna and I first began our campaign, that was the only widespread certification system that existed. But there were some serious loopholes, and there still are some serious loopholes within the RSPO. So while being a member or, or using RSPO certified palm oil is better than not having a palm oil policy, it doesn't mean, and there's absolutely no guarantee that the palm oil in that product is not contributing to deforestation. So the RSPO, just to quickly summarize, there are loopholes like there's no protection for secondary forests. So once a forest has been partially degraded, um, previously logged, but it has a high biodiversity content still, it still can be deforested for palm oil and still be certified as RSPO. There are human rights concerns that aren't protected within the RSPO, and the RSPO doesn't adequately protect peatlands. And palm oil, um, palm oil is the the oil palm itself. They hold carbon just like any other plant, but peat soil 
contains way more carbon than an oil palm plantation. And when they have to burn these carbon, um, carbon soils, they release huge amounts of CO2 into the atmosphere. And actually, because of this burning and deforestation for oil palm plantations, Indonesia is the third largest emitter of greenhouse gases in the world. And this, this amount of carbon that's being released is greater than all of the carbon, all the CO2, all the carbon emissions from all of the United States' transportation combined, all the planes, trains, trains, and cars. So there are issues with these RSPO certifications. So then this organization called the Palm Oil Innovation Group, which was created in, I think, 2012, so after Rihanna and I had started campaigning, they took the RSPO's criteria and improved upon them to create these criteria called deforestation-free guidelines, which essentially remedy all of, all of the issues that I previously mentioned with the RSPO um, criteria. So they just expand upon RSPO criteria. So the Girl Scouts in 2011, after all of this national and international press and pressure, we had over 140,000 consumers sign petitions the Girl Scouts met with us, and without consulting our nonprofit partners, they announced a palm oil policy, which, to their credit, was the first change in the organization's 100-year history ever driven directly by their own members. And it is important to acknowledge that it is certainly a step forward and better than them not doing anything. But unfortunately, the Girl Scouts only became members of the RSPO, which is simply an annual fee, and they have this commitment to source palm oil from sustainable sources based on marketability by 2015, but they have no sort of implementation timeline beyond that. And uh, I'll get into this in a bit, but the Girl Scout organization refuses to communicate with Rihanna and I right now, so I have no idea if they're actually going to meet that goal. But the main focus of the Girl Scouts palm oil policy, and I really want consumers to hear this message, is that they decided to put something called the Green Palm logo on every single Girl Scout cookie box. So millions of boxes of Girl Scout cookies are sold each year, and each of these boxes contains a Green Palm logo that says Green Palm Sustainability on it. So now consumers are being misled into thinking by this sustainable logo that the palm oil in those cookies is coming from sustainable sources when the Girl Scouts didn't change where their palm oil is coming from, they simply put a logo on their box and simply became members of this RSPO without even sourcing palm oil that is from RSPO certified sources, let alone deforestation free sources. So that's kind of the breakdown of what the sustainability world looks like in terms of palm oil. There's this round table on sustainable palm oil, there are these deforestation free guidelines, and there's this green palm program. The green palm program is sort of like carbon credits? It's, yeah. So essentially, a palm oil plantation that adheres to the RSPO practices, they're allotted a certain number of green palm certificates, which consumer companies can then buy them for the amount of palm oil that, that consumer company uses. So one certificate represents one ton of palm oil, but the certificate only costs like one to like three dollars. You can look up the, the cost of the green palm certificate on their website. It depends on market availability and demand. 
But essentially, these green palm certificates are used to offset a company's palm oil use, not to change where that palm oil is coming from, but simply to pay a small amount of money, in my opinion, to support the transition to sustainable palm oil without really going through their supply chain and ensuring that the palm oil they're using isn't coming from areas that have been deforested. In some sense, a bit of a greenwashing. Absolutely. Now, there's been some changes recently because in February, uh, Kellogg's announced a deforestation-free palm oil policy. So this was huge. So Rihanna and I, I, I want, first of all, I want to applaud Kellogg's genuinely because when we sent an email to Kellogg's, I think it was in 2012, asking for a meeting, we were met with a, an immediate response inviting us to their corporate headquarters in Michigan. We're both, Rihanna and I are from Michigan. Kellogg's is a Michigan-based company. We went to their headquarters. They listened to us and we're open to having a dialogue because Kellogg is a baker of Girl Scout cookies. The Girl Scouts have two um, companies that bake their cookies. One is Kellogg, one which which owns Little Brownie Bakers, which bakes the Girl Scout cookies. And one is ABC Bakers, which is owned by Interbake Foods, which is owned by George Weston Limited. So we had been talking with Kellogg's. Many other nonprofit organizations have been pushing Kellogg's to adopt a deforestation-free palm oil policy. We had delivered over 110,000 petitions um, to the Kellogg headquarters in, in late 2013. Um, there was a Forest Heroes campaign. There was a lot of focus to get Kellogg's to announce a deforestation-free palm oil policy because they have a pretty large partnership with Wilmar, which is which trades 45% of the world's palm oil. And so the, the goal was to get Kellogg's to use, to leverage that partnership with Wilmar to, to ask Wilmar to adopt a deforestation-free palm oil policy for all the palm oil that they traded. Because the reality is, even if all of the palm oil used in American products was deforestation-free, that's not going to solve the palm oil crisis because... The U.S. is a much smaller user of palm oil compared to China and India. So in order to really transform the international market for palm oil, we need to get at the the international palm oil traders like Wilmar. So then in December of 2013, Wilmar did commit to a deforestation-free palm oil policy, which was groundbreaking because they went above and beyond these RSPO guidelines. And the first company to ever go above and beyond these RSPO guidelines was Nestle after they're the largest consumer company that uses palm oil and they were targeted by Greenpeace. But Wilmar was the first first palm oil trader to do so. And then in February 2014, Kellogg's announced a deforestation-free palm oil policy, which was the first American company to do so and to have an actual commitment to traceability and a real implementation timeline. So that was huge because... Since February, companies, it seems like every other week, are adopting deforestation-free palm oil policies. Kellogg's adopted policy, General Mills did, Smuckers, L'Oreal, just, you know, companies that, that, you know, use 
they use palm oil that we recognize in our own grocery stores and to see that transition happen i mean when i was 11 like deforestation free guidelines didn't even exist and so just recently on august 14th um ConAgra, which is the 15th largest uh, palm oil consumer globally, adopted a deforestation-free palm oil policy. So there's really been a snowball effect within the industry. And certainly, you know, a, po- a, a policy is, you know, only only real if it does more than just, if it actually says what it's going to do on paper. That's really important to me that it's not just something on paper, but implementation is happening and traceability is happening. So, you know, these companies aren't off the hook if they don't actually adhere to their own policies, but at least this language is becoming adopted and accepted where previously five years ago it didn't even exist because there was no consumer awareness and no consumer demand. Which is what I wanted to talk about too, is the snowball effect. How significant is it? I think it's huge. I think it's pretty unimaginable, unfathomable to me what it, what has happened within these these this past year really because... You know, Nestle really was the lone company that had this deforestation-free policy in 2011. And because because of all of the national and international press, which happened with the Girl Scouts, um, there was a lot of realization from, I think, nonprofits and foundations that American consumers did care about palm oil. And, you know, certainly these these policies are you know, a huge are are only happening because of a huge teamwork of nonprofits who have been dedicated to this issue. But I'm really grateful to have played some part in that and in generating in generating the first national buzz about palm oil and then connecting the Girl Scout cookie story with Kellogg, which then influenced Wilmar. I think the Girl Scout story truly had international consequences and it put this issue on the map for millions of American consumers and millions of youth and that's even more exciting to me because we we need to you know my generation needs to truly understand that our purchases do have global impacts and if we want a future that does have wildlife and our favorite animals then we need to start making these decisions now and I think it's really cool to be able to you know say to other youth I was I was a seventh grader once too, and I was terrified to get in front of my own school audience, let alone go on some national television show. But you know, we need to be we need to be sitting across from these companies and be sitting in these corporate boardrooms and saying, you know, I may be seventeen, I may be sixteen, whatever, but what you're influenced, what you're deciding on right now is going to impact our future, and it is impacting our present. And your, if your company is going to spout family values or whatever it wants to spout, then you should practice what you preach. And it's, it's, just, it's amazing, I think, the progress that has been made from when I first began and now with all these adoption of deforestation-free policies. It's, it's exciting. I'm very happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> it is exciting. And, and I'm curious what else you'd like to see. I mean, there's a lot of uh, fast food companies that have done nothing currently. Yeah, there's been a there's been a push to get Dunkin' Donuts to adopt the deforestation free palm oil policy. 
Uh, I'm not sure what the current status of that is, but there are more and more campaigns popping up and more and more companies that don't even have to be pressured as publicly that are realizing this is becoming the new industry standard. And so the ultimate goal is every single company that uses Palm oil should have a deforestation-free policy and it should just be market standard to source palm oil that is from previously degraded areas. Unfortunately, that's not what's happening right now. I can send you information, but but oil palm is spreading rapidly. And it's not just an issue for Indonesian and Malaysian forests. It is the oil palm originated in Africa. It is coming back to Africa. There are huge land concessions um, in Cameroon, right? There are huge concessions in other African countries in forests that chimpanzees call home, that bonobos call home, that, you know, that other wildlife call home, and that people call home. I think that's really important to mention, too, is, yes, this is about, these are about animals, but these are also about the lives of people. Rihanna and I went to Colombia, which is not a huge user or producer of palm oil, but they do have palm oil plantations. And in 2011, we went with a human rights organization called Witness for Peace to spend time with communities who had been displaced from their land in the early 90s, and their land was illegally sold to palm oil corporations who deforested it. And these communities have courageously tried to reclaim their land back. But it's a very dangerous situation there and a very corrupt situation. And I just, it was it was really hopeless. It was really sad. I mean, these communities are still fighting. And, and that is as amazing to me that they haven't given up because it seems so hard. They were showing me their reforestation projects on the land that they did get managed to get back. And they told me that the land that I was walking on used to all be underwater. And then the entire ecosystem has changed because the palm oil company had dug these huge trenches to try and make the soil less moist to grow these oil palms. And they still failed at doing that. And so they cleared, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of acres a forest for palm oil plantations and then it all contracted this root disease and died because the climate wasn't right. And so, you know, thousands of people are being impacted in horrible ways because of palm oil, whether it's through land grabs or slave labor or child labor. So right now we're talking and you're physically in Cambodia and I wanted to talk with you about some of the shift that you've made personally in your interests and what this, uh, what your, the Girl Scout campaign against palm oil has, you know, how it's changed you and what it's sort of made you realize and what you're, um, what you're doing now. I remember a time where I wasn't thinking about palm oil <laughs> and what I do to help solve this huge problem. Uh, it's, I was a really shy kid, and I still am kind of shy, but I've learned how to be an advocate, and I've been on national and international platforms to communicate about an issue I really care about. So I never thought that making this commitment and promise to myself that I was going to do something about Girl Scout cookies would take me around the world or, you know, maybe introduce me to some of my heroes today, but I, I was sure of that commitment. I just didn't know how I was going to get there. And so I think as I've grown up, I've realized the importance of that and kind of how sacred it is that a kid could make that promise to herself and 
you know, maybe it didn't, it didn't come true. And I'm still sad that the Girl Scout organization has decided to stop communicating with Rihanna and I. They promised us that even after we graduated from the program, then the conversation about Palma would still continue. But unfortunately, this past fall, they sent us an email as soon as we graduated saying our staff have spent collectively, you know, thousands of hours on the palm oil issue and it's time that we do something else. And so it would take it would take more media to to shame them into adopting a truly responsible deforestation free palm oil policy. And a part of me will always be disappointed about that. But the, the broader goal of creating the snowball effect of companies adopting deforestation-free Palma policies is happening. And as I get older, my greater, not my greater, but another passion is to just talk to kids in any avenue that I can, whether that's through Skype or in person, and just say, this is my story. And maybe you can relate to being nervous and really wanting to talk up about something that you realize is wrong, but maybe you're a little scared to do that, but I was in your shoes and you can do it, and I know how that feels. So I created a website called changestartsofthepassion.org. I can share the link with you, and I'm trying to renovate it a little bit, but giving kids tools for advocacy success and saying this is how you you have this passion, but how do you actually translate that into a campaign? And I think if, if I can in any way inspire other kids to realize that what they do is actually connected to global issues and they can do something about it, then that's what makes me the most happy um, in my activism work. But in terms of the palm oil issue and how I now think about deforestation, um, a, a mentor of mine, the UN, the, the United Nations previous director of the Forum on Forest, she had awarded Rihanna and I as, as North American forest heroes. Um, one one project was awarded from every continent and we were fortunate enough to receive the award for North America. And it was really cool because, you know, we were the only kids on that stage and I got to meet conservationists who have dedicated their lives to forest issues. And that was really inspiring to me because after I've only worked on this for seven years, which has felt like almost all of my life. And I've realized that deforestation is going to be a challenge that will exist for forever especially as we have a growing population and limited resources. It's never, it's never going to be solved, but there are still people who spend 50 years on this and who still keep on fighting for what's right and trying to create a stronger balance and a healthier balance between our consumption and our lifestyles and the natural world. And so Jan McAlpine, the, the director, she said, you know, you can't put a fence around a forest and expect it to be protected when the people outside of that forest are living in poverty. And it's another mission that Roots and Shoots really teaches, which is Jane Goodall's organization, is the connection between people, animals, and the environment. And so because of this, because I was learning more about these people impacts, I became connected with a women's leadership organization called Vital Voices and was learning more and more about how women, women's leadership is very closely connected with the health of communities because women are, are the life and blood to, you know, families and, and in some places they're not and still aren't equal. And so learning about those injustices and how they're connected to our environment and the health of regional communities, which is really, those are who forests 
belong to is those regional communities. I mean, I'm an American consumer, but at the end of the day, those forests should be, should be their, you know, whoever that's whoever backyard it is, that's their land. So who am I to tell someone what they can and can't do if they're, you know, living in poverty or even if they're not. And so I guess becoming and learning from people who call these forests home has been a really invaluable lesson to me. So I'm currently in Cambodia, uh, learning from a very special woman named Musakua who is fighting for democracy within her country, and she is bringing a voice to thousands of people who have been illegally displaced from their land, which has been deforested for mining or for timber, and uh, learning about about the people connections to deforestation. And as I grow up, trying to to learn how to take my activism new ways because I'm not a Girl Scout anymore, which is sometimes scary and sometimes really exciting to get to see these issues from new lenses. What action can anyone listening take, either about palm oil or about other issues? What would you recommend? Well, my advice would be consumption. I think that for me, it was really groundbreaking when I was little and I made the connection between the things I were bu- that I was buying was having these global impacts. And so the daily things that you buy, does your shampoo have palm oil in it? What about your Snickers bar? And if so, that's okay, but what is that company's palm oil policy? And is it does it have a deforestation-free policy? Because just a quick Google search can answer that question for you. And if it doesn't have a policy, then taking responsibility for your own consumption choices and writing that company a letter or starting a petition or writing a letter to the editor or getting a group of your friends involved on this issue and having a palm oil-free bake sale and creating a Google-wide conversation or maybe using your own skills and talents to serve others. So I think my advice to anyone is use what you're passionate about. It may not be palm oil, but it may be, you know, you notice that there's plastic pollution in your own community, and and then you learn that our oceans are filling up with plastic. So maybe you do something to create a, a water bottle ban on your school's campus and promote the need for reusable water bottles. So connecting what you care about, which may seem international, like how is I going to help save orangutans? They aren't in my own backyard, but then understanding why they're endangered, realizing it was palm oil and palm oil's in my pantry, so I could do something about it. Um, and yeah, using your individual skills and talents and your own interests to help help bring attention to something other than yourself and realizing that if you start small, you can certainly grow big and those little actions multiplied over and over again by thousands of people are what changed policies in the first place. And it has to begin somewhere. So why not you? Great advice. Even if I never get my deforestation free Girl Scout cookies, I'm sure that Wilmar probably trades the palm oil for those cookies so it's solved one way or the other but yeah no if any kid can start something beneficial for something else because of this story then that's absolutely great so I think it's also really cool to have a piece that could make uh, the connection between the Girl Scout story and then now all of these other palm oil policies because I don't you know I certainly like there were so there are many of our all of our nonprofit partners have played crucial roles in um creating this momentum but it's pretty awesome that two 11-year-olds were able to, to play a part in that. So 
if other kids can be like, wow, that's cool too, then that would be awesome. <laughs> One more time, the website that you were talking about that gives kids the tools, what is called? What is it called? It's called changestartswiththepassion.org. I appreciate your taking the time to talk with me. Thank you so much for including us. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Madison Vorva, a teen activist working to get companies to source their palm oil from deforestation-free sources to save the orangutan and other endangered species. I'm Laurel Nemi, and this has been The Wildlife, a program that probes the mysteries of the animal world through interviews with scientists and other wildlife investigators. Thanks for listening.